My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. We uh, are in Colossians chapter 1, and... I feel fairly good about finishing chapter 1 today because there's only one verse left in chapter 1. So we'll see if we can uh, get through that. So what page are we on this morning, Dave? We are at page uh, 110 in your teal book. So page 110, if you want to head over there. Oh, quick announcement too, uh, if you hadn't looked at your weekly updates yet, next week and the week after are TBD, so I am still looking for teachers for those two weeks. If we don't get them, we won't have class, so just FYI, and I'll post that on our Sunday School's uh, private and public Facebook pages, so keep an eye out for that if you are interested in knowing that information. So Colossians chapter 1, I'll read through, uh, and then we'll come back and look at verse 29 here in just a second. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have heard you have for all the saints because of the hope you reserve for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. 
If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All right, on page 110 in your teal books, we're starting here with verse 29. So, I labor for this. I labor for this. So, this word labor, so when I say the word labor, what do you immediately think of? Work. Okay, does anybody think of anything else when I say the word labor? Dig in a ditch, okay, like a very specific type of work. Or, Shanda, delivering a baby, right? Yeah, okay, like labor. There we go, great. Um, so, uh, who has delivered a baby in this room? So, Shanda, you've had a baby. Julie's had a baby. Thesis had a baby. Uh, what? No, no. Not that, not that side of the equation. <laughs> I'm talking about the other side of the equation. Um, Christy and Tim, uh, Dave Barber's being snarky this morning, so just be uh, just aware. Here, here we go. Uh, so, so when I say the word labor, were you, so let me ask you a question, Shanda, were you tired after labor? Yeah, just a little bit. Julie, were you tired? Yes. Thesa, you were tired? Yes. Um, this isn't the word for delivering a baby. This is the word for any type of labor that makes you exhausted, though. So my first question today is, um, what physically exhausts you. So I've got this on the screen, but uh, so think about this for just a second. But hey, Dave, what physically exhausts you? Um, oh, sorry, I skipped the verse. This is our verse today. Just verse 29. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. That's our total scope for today. So the question, probably two more slides from that, is what physically exhausts? So what have, what have you done lately that you... You physically exerted yourself, and you're like, no mas. <laughs> like, I'm, that's it for today. What have you done lately? Put away Christmas decorations. <laughs> not judging, not judging, not judging, not judging, not judging. Not, yeah, okay, sorry. But that's exhausting, right? I mean, you finish with that task, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is ridiculous. What else? What, what have you done lately that, like, the drive, you have a driveway? Yes, and it had some stuff on it this week, right? And it took a little bit of effort to get the stuff not to be on it. Yeah, and when you were finished with that, getting the stuff not to be on it anymore, it was, uh, check, please, we're done for the day. Uh, yeah, cool. What else? What have you done lately that was, like, I'm done? 
long hour shifts, right? At the end of a long hour shift, you don't want another long hour shift, right? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm finished. You're, you're physically exerted. Now, the, the interesting thing about this question is that this answer is different for different people. So I have learned that I can walk two hard, fast miles in up and down terrain. Not a problem. I'm good to go. And some of y'all are like, that's nothing, Jim. Come on, that's ridiculous. And some of y'all are like, really? Okay. That's a little... So how, how many of you could walk two hard miles in up, up and down terrain and you're still good to go? Yeah. Cool. Could you guys, because I know you run a little bit, could you run two miles in up and down terrain? Yeah. <laughs> Not walk. <laughs> okay. All right. How many of you could run two miles in up and down terrain? You see how this answer is different for everybody, right? So I, I want us to take that mindset and work that into this text just a little bit, is that the, la the volume of labor that results in physical exhaustion is going to be different. So when Paul says, I labor for this and I'm physically tired, in my head, his line of exertion is above where mine is is that is, did you guys have that kind of the same thought process there just a little bit that and i don't know I, maybe because he talks so much about sporting and running races and doing that maybe that was part of his background i i don't know but this was something that physically he physically exerted himself for right so the next question i've got here is what's the this Like, what does this refer to? You know what I loved? Can I just tell you I love you guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are ten of you in this room this morning. Ten for ten. Ten for ten. You immediately all looked down. If I had a mic that I felt like I could drop without breaking it, because we broke this one last week, and Dave put it back together. So thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. <laughs> I would drop it right now, and we would finish up chapter one in a few weeks, because success, that is to me what success looks like. The answer is in the text. That's exactly right. So what is, what is this? I feel like Matt Chandler now, doing my hands like this. this is the, what does the this refer to? I labor for this. Is it something he's about to say or something he's already said? Something's already said. So what did he just say? Presenting everyone mature in Christ. Yes, like this is what he is working toward. And please understand, he didn't say, I'm working hard so that you all slide in safely at the last second with diapers still on. Right? Because what's he already talked about so far in chapter 1? He's talked about uh, the Colossians have heard about this hope back in verse 5, and uh, it's bearing fruit in you in verse 6 and growing all over the world. Then verse 10, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. So let me ask you a question, those of you that have done planting in your lives, do you, do you go put a seed in the ground and come out the next day and harvest the fruit? You're like, yes, this is the way it works. So what's the, what's the old adage on the best time to plant a fruit tree? What's the best time to plant a fruit tree? Anybody know? Five years ago. Like, that's the best time to plant a fruit tree. Because 
It's going to take several years before you start to, before maturity occurs because you get fruit off of something that is mature. So what I, what I want to see is he is telling one cohesive story here in chapter 1. Like Jesus is the center of all things. And because he is, we can then be mature in him and produce fruit that points people back to him. Right? So this is what he is laboring for. He is laboring for mature Christians to be presented to God. So I've got a couple quotes here. Uh, so the first one is Dr. Beale. Uh, Christians should strive for maturity not by keeping earthly legalistic laws, but by faithfully seeking the heavenly Christ. Isn't that just a great line? Like, put away our checklists. No, 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 no. Um, he feels like he'd be, a, I feel like he'd be a good grandfather. He's just like, yes. I'm just here to be happy about Jesus. And he is. He's a very happy man. So next quote is uh, Dr. Pace and Dr. Aiken. The strategy and audience of the mission culminate in its ultimate goal to present everyone mature in Christ. Like this is about maturity for us. Right? Now, look back at verse 28 for just a second. We proclaim him warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present who? Everyone mature in Christ. He doesn't single anybody out. Like, maturity is not a spiritual gift only for an elect few. Like, maturity is for all believers. And I would argue, I don't think the text is arguing this, but I would argue when a group is mature, it is easier for individuals in the group to be mature, right? I mean, this is the whole, your friends will show you how you're going to turn out, and you, you are like the people you run with, and uh, Seth Godin would say it, people like us do things like this, right? It's just the, the, the group is going to be important. His focus here is actually on the maturity of the group. So my application at the bottom uh, is you may have written a couple of down already, but and that's fine if you have. That's great. Uh, but working toward maturity is good. Working toward maturity is good. Let's go to the next slide, babe. Working toward maturity is good. So what should we do? Work toward maturity of the church, right? Specifically of our church, I would say. All right, so I asked Julie yesterday what she thought. Should I try to do one verse today or should I try to do four verses today? And she reminded me of the advice that I give to everyone. She didn't say these words. But whenever somebody comes to me and asks for professional advice on a presentation, they almost always hear three words. Less is more. Like, less is more, less is more, less is more, less is more. Do less. So we're going to cover one verse today. And because we're only covering one verse today, we're going to get to talk about something I don't think I've ever talked about grammatically before. Oh, here we go. So, what's the next word here? I labor for this, striving. Now, you're going to have to span two different pages to see the whole uh, morphology here. But this is a singular, so it's referring back to Paul. He is striving. The masculine, it's referring back to Paul. He's, he's a guy. Nominatives, this is the, we, we, we're not going to get into that. But present, middle, or passive, deponent, participle. You're like, okay, you've heard me say the word present a lot. So present is the rep repetitious stuff right now. 
The participle is, it's an ing on the end. But that middle or passive, well, which one is it? Is it, bless you, is it middle or is it passive? Like, I don't know. All right. Do you know that in English, some verbs have spellings that are the same, but have a different function in the sentence based on all the stuff around it in the sentence? We're not going to go into 47 examples of this, but this is, this is the reality. That word deponent is a special word. So my question is, what's a deponent? It's, it's a verb, yes. It's, a, it's one type of a, uh, it's one component of a Greek verb. So where could we, like where could, if you had to guess, where could we, in your teal book, find out like what a deponent is? I don't know. Maybe it's on like page 10, if you've got your teal book. So just flip over to page 10 and take a look at page 10. I'm going to flip over to page 10 too. Now, I've had two different people point out what they think is a typo in this page 10. And it is not. Well, it, it might be, but it was intentional. So there's that. So if you look at the cheat sheet for Greek verbs here on page 10, and if you're following along online, go to ourstudyschool.com, click on the handout, go to page 10 of the handout, there you go. So a Greek verb can have, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily always have, but it can have all these different components. A person, a number, a tense, a voice, and a mood. So a person is first, second, third, number is singular, plural, tenses, all the different tenses, and then the voice is the performer of the verb. So you can have an active voice where the subject performs the action, a passive voice where the subject receives the action, or a middle voice, which starts to get a little wonky, right? Where the subject performs the action in a way that affects the subject. So you're like, well, what is that about? Well, it's, it's a couple of different things. And then, do you see a bullet next to the deponent? No, that's not the typo. That's on purpose. Because a deponent is not a specific type of voice. It's a subset of passive and middle. But it can occur to kind of both. And a deponent is when a verb that is in middle or passive form, which means it's spelled in a way that is middle or passive, is actually active in meaning. You're like, whoa, that seems complicated. Yes, it is. So here's the way I want you to think about this. So if you flip back over to page 110, when you see middle or passive deponent, I'm not going to recommend you do this a lot, but right here, one way to think about this is to scratch off the words middle or passive deponent and write the word active over the top of it because it is functioning as an active verb. Okay? So does that change the meaning of this sentence? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We're watching the TV show Fargo, and it's set in Minnesota. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> it may or may not not resonate well with my beautiful bride. So uh, there's that. So if we, if we change that middle or passive deponent to active, what kind of verb is this now? It's a present active participle. You're like, oh, 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 that rings a bell. Yes, what's a present active participle? 
Remember, this is the habit. This is the ongoing. This is the repetitive. This is the, the normal behavior. You're like, all right. So I labor. That's the present active indicative. This is the, the right now, but not necessarily a habit for life. I labor for this striving. And you might be thinking, Jim, I didn't think I believed in a, we believed in a work salvation. We do not believe in a work salvation. We do not. We do, well, we sort of do. Jesus worked. We believe that. Right? That's, the, that's where the work occurred on, on Christ's behalf. So if this is a habit, do, do you see how the next few words really, really matter? Because the, if this is, I'm working hard and it's my work and I'm going to... Is that where he goes next? Not at all. He immediately says, I so love this. Paul immediately pivots to our Lord Jesus Christ with his strength. Striving, this habit, this, this work, this work, this work with his, who's the his? It's our Lord Jesus Christ's strength, right? With his strength. So several applications here. Our strength comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is great. <laughs> our strength comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. My personalization from that is rejoice. <laughs> On the day when you feel weak, it's okay. I'm actually not sure there's ever a place in the New Testament that says you're going to feel great and you're going to feel strong and you're going to feel confident every single day. You go live your best. No, I better not say that. His strength, his strength, his strength. But, but what do we do with his strength? Look back on the bottom of page 110. What's the verb that we are doing with his strength? Striving. Right. What good is strength if it is not used. It doesn't have any use if it's not used. right? So I, I would argue another application at the bottom of page 111 is our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is to be used. It's not just a, this is the good china we keep in the cabinet and nobody ever touches it. It's like, no, this is, like, pull that stuff down and use it. Because Guess whose strength is not going to run out? <sighs> just picture this for just a little bit. How cool would your life be if you never got tired? Some of you are like, well, I kind of like to sleep. Okay, that's fine. But if you, if you, if you didn't need to, does God sleep? No. This is why we can, because he doesn't, right? It's his strength, and it is an unplumbable well. There is no bottom to it. This is good. Oh, my goodness, this is good. Striving with his strength, that what? It works! <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever labored really hard to the point of exhaustion and at the end of your exhaustion were unsuccessful with your labor? You're like, well, I am now physically exhausted and I have nothing to show for it. 
That, to me, is one of the most frustrating experiences and feelings in the whole universe because I have wasted... But Christ's strength works. Now, this is a present middle participle. You're like, oh, are we going back to this? Yes, we are. Remember, the middle is where the subject performs the action in a way that impacts the subject. So if I said this sentence, the man hit himself. Well, that's weird, but don't do that. But, but when the subject does something that impacts the subject, you're like, all right. So who is doing the striving in this subject? Who is doing the striving? Paul is doing the striving. And who does it impact? What does the middle mean? The subject performs an action in a way that impacts the subject. It impacts Paul. Here's the crazy thing. Using the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ impacts us. You think it impacts us in a positive way or a negative way? Well, obviously a positive way. You're like, whoa, 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 hang on just a second. You're telling me there's a good energy source and a not so good? Like, yes. Our Lord Jesus Christ's strength works. So let's use it. And how does it work? There's any old way, right? Just it, just it just works. Does it work in any specific way? Does the text say? How does it work? Powerfully, yes. Would, would we expect an all-powerful God to have a non-powerful strength? Like, that didn't make any sense at all. Like, no, 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 no. All right. So let me, show you, let me show you one of the things Paul is doing here. So these guys are set smack dab in the middle of Colossae, right? And Colossae's uh, religion du jour is yes to everything. Yes, 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 yes. And the, uh, the, the typical belief system of a non-monotheistic religion is polytheism. There's lots and lots and lots of gods. And in a polytheistic religion, this God has this power, and this God has this power, and this God has this power, and this God has this power. And if you, if you need something that requires this kind of power, you pray to this God. And if you need something that requires this kind of power, then you sacrifice to this God. And Paul is saying through the Christ hymn that our Lord Jesus Christ is above all of that. He not only created all, he's before all, and his power works powerfully. You're like, well, this seems like I now have a one-stop shop. Right? I remember when our town got a super Walmart because I helped to build it. Uh, I, I had very limited uh, things to do with the actual... Con- it was more like stocking shelves and making sure lines are straight. There's just no hammers and nails and guns. Dave is like, yes, this is very good. Um, but it was billed as the one-stop shop. Like, you can go here and find anything you need. And I remember walking in the first day, and there was nothing on the floor. The day before the tile had been finished, there were no shelves in the... St- it was an empty box thinking they will never fill this room like it is not possible 
having no idea how big and strong capitalism actually is, right? Like they had no problem filling that room. It was filled to the brim. Crazy. I have no idea where I was going with the Walmart story now. Anybody chase that back? Say it again. The one-stop shop. There we go. Yes. It was billed. Thank you. I got there. I appreciate it. You guys are patient with me. It was billed as the one-stop shop, and it ended up not being. Because I remember, I, I ran a, had a lawn care business in high school, and I remember my riding lawnmower needed a part, and that super Walmart didn't have it. And I remember thinking, that's false advertising. What's this about? You said you have everything. And I realized my belief system was flawed. And what Paul is pointing out here to all these other religions is your belief system is flawed because your target is wrong. And all these other little gods that we find out later in the New Testament are actually demonic influences, right? This switch in uh, this crazy, terrible stuff. Worshipping false gods. So there is one who is powerful. There is one whose strength never fails. There is one whose, whose, work, whose strength works powerfully. So the application at the bottom of page 112, our Lord Jesus Christ's strength is powerful. I would say rejoice because he is powerful. Is that the end of the verse? Not quite. There's two more words. Our Lord Jesus Christ's powerful strength, it has a location. And the location of his strength is in the one who is striving. Like, this is good news. Like, let's use this. This is personal. It is powerful. It is personal. I'm not adding a third P somewhere here. We are not making this alliterative. So that is the end of the alliteration here. So rejoice, because he is a personal God. Is that beautiful stuff or what? I really like this. Now, I have a million questions about this text that are unanswered. A million. I'll give you a couple real quick. So I labor for this, striving with his strength. The text is not clear on how we know when we are striving with his strength and when we are striving with our strength. But there are other texts that describe the fruit. And if the fruit doesn't look like the fruit described in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? The whole list. If the fruit is not, not that, if the fruit of our work is not that, then the source of the strength of the striving is likely not Christ. Because you can't get good fruit from a bad tree. Does that make sense? So I don't have a, here's top ten ways to know if you are striving in your own strength or Christ. But we can look at the fruit. And we're actually told to look at the fruit. And examine the fruit. 
And either right before, is it before or after Dave, the good list is the bad list. But the works of the flesh are, da, 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 it's after, isn't it? I think it's after, yeah, yeah. So we're actually given a, here's what good looks like, here's what not good looks like. So when we lean into and bring the mirror very, very close and look at the works of our, uh, our, that we are doing, the, the fruit of that, we should be able to back into whose strength we were operating in. Does that help? I, everything that I read this week on this topic was like theoretical spirituality. And I didn't get anybody with their feet firmly on the ground. It was a lot of uh, uh, philosophical statements about this. And it just kind of was aggravating me to me because I want to, like, I need my feet on the ground at some point so I know what to do with this. And that is as close as I can come to what do we do with this. We'll examine our fruit and that'll help us know whether or not this is coming from the right source or not. All right, does that make sense? I didn't see my mom get on, so I'm going to tell a Shelbyville story real quick, okay? So we had a garden growing up in Shelbyville. We'll end with this. And uh, my dad, uh, and some of you probably know this, what did he put on the garden? Didn't matter what we were growing. It mattered not what we were growing. It was, he usually, in concentrations, three to four times the recommended volume. What did he put on the garden? Does anybody know? miracle Grow. Yes, it was miracle Grow. And uh, it was often we had to like scrub really hard to get the miracle grow off of the food before we consumed. Like it was a lot of miracle grow. A lot, a lot, a lot. And what we found is that it didn't matter how much miracle grow you put on a bad plant, a sick plant, it wasn't going to produce any more fruit. Right? The miracle grow works really, really well on a healthy plant. I also believe it is why I'm considerably taller than any other person in my family. But that's a whole different story right there. <laughs> so be careful about how much chemicals you use. But there is this. So there are things I think, there are environments, there are additives, there are uh, relationships that can foster and develop and help produce more fruit. But dead plants don't produce fruit. So, does that make sense? That resonate? All right. One verse today. There we go. Deep into one verse. All right. So, you should have your weekly update on your table. So, if you would, uh, fill out your prayer requests. Pray as a table when you're finished with that. Let's make sure we're out of here by 9.50. And, oh, mom is watching today. Hey, good morning. Fantastic. Yes. I like being six two and a half. So, thanks very much. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, all right. So, I think that's it. Next week... Uh, is TBD. So we will uh, see where we're at. And again, I'll post online uh, where we're at and what's going on. Everything good, Dave? Yes. Okay, cool. Ah. Fantastic. All right, so thanks for coming today, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.